And it's a good challenge. It was, uh, let's see, what were we talking? We're talking about the creation. And I think it had to do with the rain, with rain. And, and how did that, was the, was the rain before the flood? And he says, the scriptures never clearly say that. So there's a lot of things, even, even when we come at, come at something righteously and we, we deduce from the things that we read and we come to, but, but sometimes we're, it's conjecture. That's probably the right word. We're, we're reading things onto it. We're putting things with, I believe. And if I say, look, I think this is what happened, that's one thing. But, but it's when we say, this is what happened. All right, so when, when, when Jesus, no, 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 when Mary, when Mary rode into Bethlehem on the donkey, where's that verse? It's nowhere. There, you know, but, but what would most, so many people would say, oh, Mary rode a donkey. Even, even in that, they really did a pretty good movie, The Nativity, a few years ago. And she rides that donkey all the way, you know. And, and, and you go, well, she may have. She may very well have ridden a donkey. But the scriptures don't tell us that. So we can, we can say, uh, you know what, I would, you, as you imagine, it's a 60-mile hike. I can imagine that might have been the case. But it's, but it's, we can't prove it biblically. And so what we have to do is we have to be careful when we start saying things and make sure that, that, that it is biblical. So there's some, there are some unbiblical statements that Christians believe. I'm going to get into to one here in a second. Um, but I'm, in way of introduction, this is just something we really have to be careful about. You have to give some thought to. And, and, I, and I would say this is a preface, preface as well. When someone says something that is not biblical, it's not right. There's a, I was talking with Glenn Rogers this afternoon. He said, what are you teaching tonight? So we're talking about this. He said, here's a question I like to ask. When someone says something that is not biblical, he, he, he says, I like to ask them, well, what, where do you get that? Where, where's that coming from? What, where, where, how, did, where did, how did you get to that? What verse do you have or... And he says, usually the list is real short, real small, like, uh, I don't know, a lot of times. That would be the answer. So there's some unbiblical things that people say. And the danger, if, if they say that, now I don't, I don't think we're supposed to beat people up, but we do need to take that as an opportunity to help someone learn. And we shouldn't just let it, let it just fly right by, Okay. So there's some, there's some phrases and different things that we have. So, in fact, tonight, if you've got some, I'll read some of these off of what... Um, I've got about seven tonight. I don't think we'll get through the seven. I've probably got 14 total. But you can throw some out to me, and if I don't already have it, then I will, I'll, I'll add that to the list, and we'll look at that. The first one is this. Now, I remember years ago, remember years ago, we were... Uh, my pastor in, in Georgia was talking about this. It was a big church, big fan-shaped sanctuary. I was sitting here, and the pastor was there in my view. And between him and me was a lady sitting there. And he says he starts on talking about something like this. He says, there's these things people believe in. They say it's in the Bible, and it ain't in there. And he says, you know, like, God helps those who help themselves. And she goes... He goes, and it ain't in there. And she goes, I never, I mean, I could see her just as clear as day. I think it was going up and down, and she just kind of did a roundabout, and then it was this. And it was, uh, it was, oh, yeah, okay. 
So that's, one, that's the first one. That's an example of, of, of some things that people believe. And people say this. They say, God helps those who help themselves. Now you may be going, well, preacher, what's wrong with that? I don't understand. Okay, I want to help you with that. That's, that's why we want to help you with this. So that, that statement, if you think of it, it's actually, it's actually anti-gospel. It's an anti-gospel statement. Self-reliance and self-righteousness or the attitude of trying harder and doing better actually gets in the way of the work of God. We, we so often, we want to do it. And there's a lot of religions that... There are a lot of denominations that are real big on the work stuff. There are a lot of, you know, how do you get saved? Well, you get saved by grace through faith. Well, is that enough? Well, no, it's not really. So you have to get baptized, you know, and then you got to do this or that. It's all, then it's, it's into the works, okay? Or there are folks who are never challenged with the gospel, but they're in church, and they do, and they do, and they do, and they do, and they do. You know, we have that in the Baptist church, too. I like the... It's not a bully pulpit, but I like the pulpit, so I can deal with things sometimes. I've had folks get mad at me. I get mad at me when I look out for them in ministry. And then, then I've had people who go, you know, I got in the nursery. I can get into ministry again. I got in the nursery in another church. I was in there for 15 years. Couldn't get out. Every time I tried to get, they wouldn't let me out. I was like shackled to the wall. They wouldn't let me get... Listen, we're not going to do that. I've shared with our staff, if someone goes, eh, this isn't my thing. I don't, we don't want you in there. If you, don't want, if you don't want to be in there, I don't want you in there. Because that, number one, if you're watching kids, you probably ain't going to be watching kids very well. Number two, if you're doing something you, you really aren't gifted to do or whatever. Now, we can all fill a gap for a short time, right? But do not feel like, hey, well, you know, I know there's a need back there, but I'm not about to get in that because I'll never get out. I'll be stuck. It's not going to be the case. We're not going to do that. But I've had folks get mad at me when they miss church for a while because my policy has been since they got here. You miss church for two or three months or something, I don't care if you were on a tour, a tour in Europe, you were, you were touring Europe, or if you broke your leg. I don't care what the circumstances are. You're going to have to come back and get plugged into church again before you jump right back into ministry. Does that make sense? Let me put it in a sports analogy. There ain't a, there ain't a baseball pitcher out there that throws that has Tommy John surgery, and then they, they just, he goes, you know, Mars better, and they throw him right back in the game. No, he's going to come in. He's going to start coming to workouts. He's going to come to, uh, he's going to, come to, to practice, start throwing a little bit. He's going to come to the team room. He's going to do all those different things, and when they say, yep, he's fit, to get in there. They'll put him back in the game. So it's not that we're, we're, we're like, oh, no, no, you're out. You're done. But we are going to look out to make sure because it's more than just you. You've been gone for three months. I don't, I don't, know, I don't know what you've been for three months. You might have been watching Jehovah's Witnesses videos for three months. I don't know. I, I don't know. Not that I don't trust you, but I don't know. I want to make sure your, your things are right, okay? And then, listen, I also watch this. If somebody's serving and they're serving there and they're serving there and they're serving there and they're serving there and I look and, and we're watching and you're in the service one time in five weeks. It's not healthy. 
So we're, we, try to, we try to watch those things. And, and what would help with that is if everybody got in and served somewhere. And then we, 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 we could help with a lot of those problems where, where we, we were short on people, where many hands make light work. That would help us a whole lot. But, but I'm going to make sure that somebody's not... And here's what I've been in Baptist churches my whole life. And here's what I've seen. Folks who get in the Baptist church and it's work, 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 work. And it's to, to, to feel good, to, to whatever, to make them feel more spiritual. Maybe because their walk with Christ isn't where it needs to be. You know what I'm saying? You hear what I'm saying? It, it, it's a substitute for spirituality. It's easier just to do. That's what man wants to do. What must I do to be saved? That's what man wants to do. Tell me to run around the building a thousand times and do five million push-ups and we'll kill ourselves trying to do it. But you tell them just trust in the Lord, confess your sin, repent of your sin, and trust, trust in Christ by faith. And people go, oh, no, it can't be that easy. No, no, it can't be, it can't be that. It can't be that. So work is a, is a thing. But that's what man wants to do. We tend to be self-reliant. So Jesus saves those who die to themselves. Ephesians 2, 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Your, your works don't, don't save you. will never save you. And until you get to a point of realizing that, as long as you're trying to do it and you think you can do it yourself, you'll never be saved. Because you never truly come to a place where you, you need to be. You need the Lord. Uh, Romans 10, 9, if you, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That confession, again, is acknowledging I'm a sinner. I can't do it. It's that repenting of realizing I've been doing it my way. I've been trying to do it my way. Repenting is when I realize I can't do it my way and I'm turning. I'm changing. Change of heart, change of mind, and I turn to Christ. I, I repent. I, I turn to him. We confess that. We acknowledge what God has revealed to us in His Word. And it's not me working to do that. It's not me trying harder. And you know what? I'm trying to get to, I'm trying to work my way to God so God will save me now. It's not how that works. You really got to come to an end to yourself. Matthew 16, 24, that Jesus says to His disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So it's just denying ourselves. It's, 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 it's not about me. It's about Him. It's, it's being humble. Acts, Acts 9, uh, verse 4 through 6. This was when Saul uh, meets the Lord. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now Paul was as religious as they come. And he was working. He was more zealous than anyone, persecuting the church. And he thought, I'm doing all this for God. Gonna, gonna, this is my salvation and the way I do this. I'm doing this for the Lord. And he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said to him, arise and go to the city and you will be told what, what you must do. It was Saul coming to a place where he realized, I can't do it. Lord, you tell me what to do. You tell me how to do this. So this phrase, God helps those who help themselves. Um, now I'll say this. It, that phrase, it celebrates initiative and hard work. Now those are biblical virtues. Amen? Hard work. That's a, that's a biblical virtue. 
Uh, the Bible says if a man won't work, he ought not eat. So, so we, don't, we don't sit around and, and just say, well, the Lord's going to provide. No, if you, if, it's you, that's a great one for you're lazy and you don't want to go get a job. Okay, the Bible says if you won't work, so we should work. We, should, we shouldn't be lazy. But, it, but when it comes to our relationship with Christ and spiritual things, it's not about me trying harder and doing more. And I'll just, I'm just going to work hard and, and God's going to bless it. He's going to help those who help themselves. So you got to understand kind of the, the mentality of that. Um, so have you ever made a promise? How many of you have, been, have ever made a promise and you dropped the ball? You made a promise to God. You know what I'm talking about? You made a promise to God and dropped the ball. We all all raise our hand because I'm sure we all have. Lord, I'll never do that again. Lord, I won't. I, won't. I kept two promises. I choked on a cigarette when I was 13 years old. I told God if, I, if he let me survive because I thought I was going to die, I'd never touch a cigarette again. And I never touched a cigarette again. I remember laying across the bed Ugh, stuff falling out of my mouth. Just, uh. I thank the Lord for that. You know, the dogs that live the longest that run free are the ones that almost get hit by a car. They're the ones that live the longest. When they get scared, that happens. And then one time, I think I've shared the story in here. When I was in high school, I was riding around with a guy. He dipped tobacco. And, and I, he said, you want to try it? And so I said, well, sure. So I, I knew enough not to swallow well, I'd never done tobacco before. I didn't know that, you, you know, you really shouldn't leave it in that long. I don't know, 20 minutes later, man, I'm like. <laughs> I, said, I said, man, you got to pull over. So I did what you know what I was going to do when I pulled over. I said, you got to take me to my car. I don't know how I drove home. I got home. It's 25 degrees. I'm getting ready to go to bed. I'm in my underwear on the back porch, laid on the back porch, and air the whole world's doing this. And I said, Lord, if you get me through this, I'll never do that again. And I have never done that again. Never done that again. But I'm going to tell you a time where, so that's us trying to, you know, we, we would try to do it. But that's me. I made a commitment to the Lord. I said, Lord, I, you get me through this. You help me. I'll never do that again. But when I was a, a young Christian in my late 20s, late, late teens, early 20s, I was just an immature Christian at that point. And I'm trying to live for the Lord, but I, I had a real struggle with my mouth. I think I've shared that with y'all before. The Lord, when he took that away from me, it was gone. Not struggle with that, but I struggled with my mouth. And the problem was I had bitterness in my heart. So I've shared with y'all what I grew up in. And as a 19, 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old, I had not dealt with those things. I thought, well, there's fine. I'm, I'm saved. I've confessed to the Lord. I've asked forgiveness, and he's helped me with those things. Well, you had to help me with those things, but I still hadn't dealt with the bitterness that I had in my heart. When you have bitterness, here's what's going to happen. It talks about the root of bitterness. Now, anybody ever seen poison ivy? Poison oak, poison ivy? You know, it'll pop up here and say so you spray it and it dies. But the problem is the root's running over here and it, and it pops up over here and the root's running over there and it pops up over there. Well, that's how bitterness is. If you don't get the root out... The root of it. See, with poison ivy, you got to pull the vine up. you got to pull the root up. you got to get to that tap root and get it up. And when you get that up, it ain't coming back. But you got to get So I had that bitterness. And with that bitterness, there was anger. There was, there was um, I had a bad temper. I had, I'd go into fits of just rage. And so I'm, I'm working UPS, working a little bit of sleep, high-stress position. I was trying to witness for the Lord, and something would happen. 
And man, I would pop a cork. And I'm just, I'm not bragging on sin. I say this with great shame. If you can imagine it, it came out of my mouth. And here's what I would do. Lord, please forgive me. I know that's wrong. But I'm not going to do it again. I promise God I'm not going to do it again. And you know what I'd already done? Before I said amen, I was already defeated. Because in my own strength, the Lord helps those who help themselves. In my own strength, I can't do it. And it wasn't until I got to the point where I said, Lord, I can't. I got to a point where I couldn't even pray. I'd, I'd say something, and I'd be so convicted. Not, not, not uh, let me rephrase that. It wasn't conviction. It was condemnation because conviction draws you to God. Condemnation pushes you away from God. Satan would just bring in condemnation in my heart. Oh, oh, what, what are you going to do? Hey, hey, what are you going to do? You going to pray again? You going to ask for forgiveness again? And I got to where I was, I was paralyzed in prayer. Just could not even pray. When I realized I can't do it, and I really gave that to the Lord, he gave victory. He gave victory. And then I remember one time at church slamming my finger in one of them folding chairs, one of them folding tables, and I didn't cuss. <laughs> my preacher said, you must be saved. He said, I'd have probably cussed. That's what he said. But look, that's what, this is this thing of us trying to do it ourselves. Does that make sense? Now, my dad was, the, was another story because my, um, my dad struggled with Substance abuse is, I guess, his whole life. Probably from late teens on, he struggled. He struggled with alcohol for years and years and years. And he would have these conversations. My dad would tell me, this was even after he made a profession of faith, and he'd tell me, I can quit any time I want to. I said, well, I believe that's probably true. problem is you don't want to. You don't want to. But here's what I told him. I said, Dad, the day that you really want to quit, the day you really want to quit, and you say, Lord, I want to quit, I really desire to be through with this. And you give it to him. I said, I believe in my heart he'll help you get rid of that. But that wasn't in him trying to do it himself. That would have been in him giving it to the Lord. Does that make sense? Okay. So, um, now the Lord does help some who cannot help themselves. The widows, orphans, truly folks that are needy. Look, this is a blessing to me. Uh, it's not about me helping myself. Man, when we cannot help ourselves, the Lord is so good to us. And I, I think I shared Sunday about the, the, the picture of salvation. Us fall, you fall off in a ship in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. You can tread water for a little while, but you're going to drown. If someone doesn't come along and save you, you're going to drown. And it has absolutely nothing to do with you. Because you can't do it. You can't swim back. You can't hold your breath long enough. You're going you're gonna to die. And the Lord is the one who came and, and did that for us. Amen? So what's your thoughts on that, ver on that statement? Any other passages or any other thoughts that come to mind with that? God helps those who help themselves. Okay. Nothing?
We do. And even the common sense is on him. If, we, if, we, if it's the prayer, it's Catherine's prayer for wisdom. It's not trying to do it herself. Not trying to do it in my wisdom because then that goes right back to me. When we get ourselves involved in this, that's the problem. So it, when you seek the Lord's wisdom, you seek uh, for him to show you what you do. And you talk about common sense, even better than common sense is, Lord, give me wisdom yes. in that. It's exactly right. Lord, this is where we're at. I cannot do it. I can't do it. Lord, help me. Amen. Good. Yes, ma'am. I don't know if they could, I don't know if they could hear. In in short, they had a situation with their family. If I, let me know if I'm not describing this right, but basically what they were doing, they were trying to make it happen. Yes. You got your hands on it. You got your hands on the situation, trying to force someone to do something or someone to act a certain way or to change the way we act. That's again, what is that? That's me trying to control it. And and it's like Pastor Pastor Reynolds was talking about the other night. And it's what we got to do in, really in every situation in life. We got to get to this place. Lord, here it is. You know, I, I've experienced that in the last week. I'm not going to give any details, but, but just something I've been running by some people. And I, I, I was frustrated because I felt like I'm getting pushback. And this person's saying this, and this person's saying this, and this person's saying this. And they're all kind, they're kind of all in agreement. And I'm like, man, what are y'all doing? Getting in the back corner and teaming up against me on this? And then what I realized was, no, 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 dummy. It's you just trying to, you trying to, you trying to force it. You think that's what it ought to be, and that's what you're trying to make happen. And so even, even it might have been this morning, I know yesterday, I really was thinking about this and praying about this, and I said, all right, I'm not, I'm not fighting that. 
I'm trying to do something, and, and I'm, not, I'm not trusting you, Lord, to, to do it. If that's what it should be, you'll take care of that. If that's not what it's supposed to be, I need to listen to counsel of the people around me. And so i got to take my hands off of it, and that's what they've done. They've taken their hands off of it and then seeing God work in the situation, seeing Him work. But, you know, God is, wants to work, but a lot of times, he, folks, he doesn't, he doesn't just kick us out of the way. Now, when we fight against Him, sometimes He'll thump us, He'll, he'll discipline us. He'll spank you. He'll do whatever he needs to do. We're his if you're his child. Now, if you're in here and you're living in sin and you're not being chastised, you're not getting your hiney spanked, you're not his child. Because the scripture promises that he, he, though, the, whom he loves, he, he chastises. So that, that spanking is good. It's good. So uh, it, it's us letting go. Letting go. Now, now, don't get me wrong. There are things we still work. We don't just quit. But we have to listen to what God says and quit trying to always have my way. Some people, some, some people, I'm one of them sometimes. I think, you know, you're not a leader. I'm telling you, you're never, if, if, you're not, if, you're, if you don't struggle sometimes with thinking you've got the right ideas, you're probably not a leader. Okay, you, you're, but, but that's what happens. But it's a fault of sometimes in leadership. And it's something I've struggled with at times where I think this is exactly what we need to do. Why can't y'all see it? <laughs> Why is it only me? It's like Indiana Jones in one of the movies. He, he's a kid. He runs out and he goes, everyone's lost but me. That's where I feel sometimes. But you know what? I got to learn to listen and slow down and take my hands off of it. Everything in our life ought to be this way. Lord, take it away or put it in there, whatever you want to do. If you want to give it to me, great. Now, how can I use that for you? Then you want to give it to me and take it away? Great, but Lord, that's on you. Amen? Amen. Got 10 minutes. All right, I got this one. I can get through number two here. Um, second one is this. You know, I've heard this one before. I've talked about this before. But God wants me to be happy. <laughs> you hear it though, don't you? Yeah. I hear it. I hear it when people get into sin. They get into sin and they want to justify their sin, not based on righteousness, but, but, but based on, well, God wants me to be happy. Uh, let me be careful how I say this because I'm not sure God doesn't want us to be happy. But he ain't concerned about my happiness at the expense of my holiness. And when we live a holy life, you know what comes from that? Is a happy life. A and, and listen, happiness is, don't you know happiness is a, is a um, happy, joy is, joy is a, a gift from the Lord. Happiness can be, it's so fleeting. What's that? It's fleeting. It, that's exactly the word. It's fleeting. It can be based on your circumstances. Man, I'm eating um, um, cookie dough ice cream. Yes. I am happy. I've got chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream. Now, I'm going to tell you, go to Andy's and get you a turtle sundae. That, you'll be happy for about five minutes. Then you'll, you'll be living in regret. Why did I eat that? All right, so God wants me to be happy. All right, so I want you to read this. So I, I said, I got to find in Scripture where this is that because it must be. 
I mean, I hear it quoted so often. So here's the scripture on that, okay? And I found it. It says, my one desire, this is God, capital M, my, God is saying this, my one desire for you as my child is that you are happy, comfortable, and without problems in this present life. I want you to experience the bliss of heaven while on the earth. I sent my son, my only son, Jesus, whom I love, to suffer a horrible death in your place, taking your sin, your punishment, your torment, just so you can be happy. And that is found in You Wish, chapter 1, verse 5. It's in the book of, in the book of, yeah, that would be, that would be seven steps to a happy life. Oh, uh, Yeah. No, I just, I made that up. So that's, that's in the book of You Wish. Um, so it's a common belief among many professing Christians that God exists to be our personal genie, waiting to give us our every wish. And it, and it really is this attitude of it's all about me. Listen, when you think about your prayers. Think about your prayers. You should evaluate your prayers. Think about what do you talk to God about, okay? So there's a model of prayer that I like to use called the ACTS, A-C-T-S, some of you have heard of that, the ACTS model of prayer. And the A is for adoration. We should, we should absolutely adore the Lord in our, in our prayers. And then there's confession. So we adore the Lord. We praise Him for who He is. And then we confess our sin. You know, how often do we really confess our sin? Boy, we blow right by that one. Boy. The next part is thanksgiving. Hey, that's one we, we're a little negligent on sometimes too, I think. But you get to supplications, we can go for a long time on the supplications. You know what that is, right? That's my wish list. And we're like kids in Santa's lap. Well, Lord, I want this, and I want that, and Lord, give me that, and Lord, do that for us, and uh, Lord, keep us safe on this, and, and give me that, bless our finances, Lord, and I want that new job, and we'd really like that new car. I mean, but you should, you should evaluate your prayers. As you talk to the Lord, you know, I'm just afraid that many Christians are just doing the S model of prayer, the supplication, the rub the genie lamp. Uh, the Lord's there when I need him. He's my genie in the bottle. Uh, man, things are bad right now. I need some help. I'm rubbing the lamp. Lord, can you help me out of this mess? Um, many today justify sinful actions by saying God wants me to be happiness. Uh, to be happy. Happiness is tied to feelings and emotions that are often based on circumstances, and those change all the time. Also, our feelings lie to us all the time. Uh, here's one. I just feel like she's mad at me. Right? So I feel like they're mad at me. Miss Darlene, Miss Darlene, I, you know, I, I feel like you're mad at me. Did, did I do something to make you mad? I just, you know, my feelings are telling me that you're mad at me. Do we, do we, anybody, y'all know what I'm talking about, right? We, we experience that. Feelings lie. Satan will use your feelings to mess with you and then create relational problems. And, miss, and now I'm thinking, well, she's mad at me. I know, I know what I said. She, now she's mad. She mistook what I, now she's mad and now I'm mad because I think she's mad or I feel like she's mad. And so our happiness is gone, right? It's a, ter it's a terrible thing that we get into. Do not trust your feelings. And we are, you know what? That's one of the problems we've got in America today. It is all about Feelings. We're so feely. Oh, I just feel like... I... Now, Jordan, I hope you're not listening to this. But this is, this is one of the things the kids today, it is all about... They, they even talk it that way. Well, you know, I feel like... I don't care what you feel like. 
I know it's just a phrase that they use, and it's not even really the thought. But for some people, it is the thought. It's all about their feelings. Well, I feel like you disrespected me. I feel like you're looking down on me. I feel like you're judging me. It's all about the feelings, right? Mm. Tucker. (laughs) Well, and then he does make them feel bad. Uh, here's what God wants. God wants us to be obedient to him, trust him, and, and know that everything he does is for our good, even if it doesn't make me feel happy at the moment. Okay, John 14, 15, if you love me, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's what he says. If you love me, if you really love me, keep my commandments. Be obedient to what I have revealed to you. I'm amazed how many people are searching for stuff that ain't even in the scriptures when they're not living the things that are revealed in the scriptures. It's like, well, you want extra revelation? You want special revelation just for you? It's all here just for you. And it starts with that right there. If you love me, keep my commandments. You want to be happy? Start right there. It's a great place to start. That'll, that'll point you in the way of happiness. Ephesians five twenty seven that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy. That's the Lord's desire for the church, is that she would be holy. 1 Peter 1.15, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. What part of those two sentences sound like their conditional statements? Sound pretty absolutely clear to me. Lord says, he who called you is holy. You also be holy in all your conduct. Not in most of your conduct, not in some of your conduct, in all your conduct. I had a friend years ago, he said this, he said, you know, we Baptists, we're the only ones I know that sing our lies what are you talking about? He said, we get up on Sundays and we sing, I surrender all. Right, Mark? Yeah, <laughs> Mark went, oh, wow. <laughs> I saw that, oh, wow, look on his. And that's what, that's what we do. We don't really sometimes, I mean, I'm not saying you don't. You're probably more spiritual than me. But, but what happens is sometimes we don't really surrender all. We surrender. Well, okay, I'll give that up. But got my pet over here in my pocket. So we don't really surrender. The Lord wants us to be holy. John 16, These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. That'll make us happy, won't it? Tribulation. Tribulation will make us happy. But that's what the Lord says we're going to have. He said, but be of good cheer. He said, folks, you're going to have tribulation. But be of good cheer. That's what, that's what John says. Because the Lord says, I have overcome the world. You're going to have tribulation. You're not going to have uh, cotton candy and unicorns and butterflies. That's not what life's about as a believer. You're going to face tribulation. You're going to take, face hard times, difficult times. And you're not always going to feel happy. But you can always have joy. If you live a life that's obedient to God's word, 
You trust Him in every situation. You lean upon Him. You call on Him. You walk in holiness and righteousness. Man, you can have great joy. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to, to those who are called according to His purpose. Folks, it doesn't matter what happens in life. It, I, I could, it, this would be a great place to go into that uh, good and bad. You know, is it good? They used to do it on Yeehaw. Yeehaw? Is that right? Hee-haw. Not yeehaw. Hee-haw. Hee-haw used to do a thing, and they did this little skit about what's good and what's bad. And the guy was telling the story, and um, I think I'd do that in the shape class, but I don't have it memorized, so I ain't going to try to do it here. But basically, guy goes skydiving, and the guy says, oh, so-and-so took me skydiving. He said, oh, that's good. He said, oh, no, that's bad. He said, because we got up there in the plane, the plane engine cut out. And he goes, oh, that's bad. He said, oh, no, that's good. He said, well, how's that good? He said, well, because they had parachutes on their plane. Oh, that's good. He said, oh, no, that's bad. So he said, we jumped out of the airplane and went down and my, and my chute wouldn't open. He said, oh, that's bad. He said, oh, no, that's good. He says, as I'm falling, I saw this big hay, haystack there. He goes, oh, that's good. He said, oh, no, that's bad. He says, I got closer to that haystack. I saw a pitchfork sticking up out of that haystack. He said, oh, that's bad. He said, oh, no, that's good. He, he, he said, he said uh, well, I'm, you know, uh, how's that good? He said, well, I missed the haystack or, or missed the pitchfork. He said, oh, that's good. He said, oh, no, that's bad. He said, how's that bad? He said, I missed the whole haystack. You know, so that's, that's basically the gist of it. And the, and the bottom line is, how do you know what's good and how do you know what's bad? You're not God. Things that we see and we think every winner of the lottery has thought, best thing that ever happened to me. Give them about five years and most of them say it's probably the worst thing that ever happened to me. Believe it or not. So, I'm not God. And the things that happen in life, here's what I do trust. He is God. He is in control. And He is working everything for good for those of us who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Amen? Amen. So we can trust Him. We can trust Him. Whatever happens, it's in His hands. Amen? All right, any questions, comments before we close? I, I, had, I was prepared seven pages, seven of those prepared. Got through two of them tonight. That's all right. That's all right. Good stuff? Oh, ma'am? We're reading in books together. And yep. We were talking about writing code about something, and we got to laugh. I mean, it wasn't terrible things that we were laughing about, but just giggling, laughing. We both stopped, and I said, Jesus ever laugh? And both of us were like, I don't know. We know Jesus laughed. Oh, I think absolutely he laughed. Jesus laugh. You never really think about Jesus laughing because he had a mission field out there and they were talking to his disciples. So we did investigation. There is no verse that says Jesus laughed. But he would be delighted in That's a, 
That's that's right. Laughter is good medicine. So you take the you have to take always have to take the whole of Scripture, right? So that's what you've done. You've seen some of those verses. You put that together, and you go, I don't see how in the world the Lord couldn't have laughed. I, I think Scripture. When you read Scripture, a lot of times you see God's sense of humor. I mean, there's a sense of humor in Scripture. You see it. So you know, I could see him. I could see him picking on John, James. Those guys, I mean, I can see him thumping one of them's ear as they're walking along. I mean, I, I, I can see that. He, he's, he's having fun with them. He was, he was highly relational. They would have laughed together. They would have cried together. They would have, you know, those things. They, absolutely. Great, great observation. Anything else? <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. That was, I like that, though. That's good. Todd, why don't you pray for us? Stand up and pray for us. Dearly Father, we thank you for the time you've given us together as we can just uh, share as a family.